So Ramanandra Sarya said, I can see the Lord's presence everywhere. So he is the witnesser of everything. In fact, nothing can happen without his knowledge. So therefore I haven't eaten the manam. But this witnessing of the Lord is also witnessed by the Devata. So therefore here in the last verse, when it means the sun, the fire, the sky, the air, it doesn't mean just the elements, it means the presiding deities of those elements. So when we say fire, it means the Agni Devata. And when we say Agni Devata, it is not the fire Devata, the Devata who, who is the presiding deity of fire, but the Vishnu Antargata of the fire means the Vishnu Aradhaka which Agni Devata worship. So therefore, everything is possible because Vishnu, Vishati Tat Vishnu. Vishati means that which is spread everywhere. That is, that is what the uh, that is what the etymological, etymological meaning of Vishnu means. So in this case, what has happened is the Yamanuta is saying, actually, we have witnessed, we have recorded, recorded all of this. And a recorder of these witnesses is Yamaraj. That is why he is called as Dharmaraj. Anything happens according to Dharma or opposite to Dharma is witnessed by the Supreme Lord and recorded by Yamaraj and his descendants uh, follows. So the Yamaduta is saying, say, we have witnessed it, we have a record of all his past misdeeds. So this guy is supposed to go to Yamakur, where he needs to be punished. So, and who will be punished? In 43, they said, these many witnesses have deviated from their prescribed regulated duties. Everyone engaged in fruitive activities is suitable for subject to punishment according to his simple acts. Who? Who doesn't follow this prescribed duty? And what is prescribed duty? We have to question that. What is a prescribed duty? What, is, uh, what does karma mean? And then the next verse, what's interesting is both types of karma, whether it's papa or punya, both kinds are possible for them. Why? Because kar, karyanam gunasanvosti. It's a very interesting verse because this is also coming in the Vedas and Krishna also says this in the Bhagavad Gita. Karanam Gunasandrasya. It tells us the 13th chapter. So one who has accepted a material body cannot be inactive and sinful action is inevitable. That's why debatable. One who is embodied cannot be inactive. That's the first thing. One cannot be inactive. Uh, what are the examples of inactive things in this material creation? Is there anything inactive? A rock, probably. A rock is inactive, but under a microscope, even a rock is not inactive. We know that. Atoms are always moving, so this uh, yet this prakriti is called as characharakriti. So here Ramanuta is saying, one who accepts a material body cannot be inactive, and sinful action is inevitable. For one acting under the modes of material nature, therefore all living entities within this material world are punishable. It's quite interesting. Prabhupada writes, all living entities in this material world are punishable. <coughs> Now, uh, Prabhupada has given four lectures on this verse, 44, uh, around the world in, uh, in, uh, in those times. And Prabhupada, every lecture is different perspective, or Prabhupada brings a different perspective of this verse. In one of the verses he says, Dehavan, Dehavan means one who has accepted this material body. And Prabhupada says, uh, the etymology of the word Vaan, Vaan means Vyakta, or one who has obtained, so he said Bhagavan. Bhagavan means one who has obtained, or one who has Bhagavan, Bhagavan means opulences. In the same way, Dehavan, one who has obtained the material body. 
Sanskritam is a very interesting language because every word in Sanskritam has a meaning. Um, like in the English language, we don't have meanings for nouns. Nouns means we don't have meanings. You don't have. You can't qualify a noun, for example. But that's not the case in Sanskritam because every word has an etymology behind it. There's perhaps no language like Sanskritam which has etymology. Deha, Deha also has a meaning. Deha, you know, in, some, in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, Dehi no swim yatha dehe kaumaram yavananja tatha deha antara prapte dhira sadrana mohyati. Krishna says, Deha means deha upajayati iti deha. That which grows and ultimately gets subdued is called deha. You see? There are two words which is in, uh, indicated in the material body. Krishna uses both the words. He uses Deha and he also, he also uses Sharira. Shariram Yadavapamati. Shirate iti Shariram. That which actually depletes is called Shariram. That which grows is called Deha. That is why Krishna uses Dehinosmin. Dehina Asmin Yatha Dehe. Deha is one who is embodied inside the body. So here Dehavan Nahi Akarmakri. So one who has obtained the material body, naturally the body grows. So there is movement in the body. And the body moves because there is the presence of jiva. And anything moves because jiva is dynamic. Jiva is not jiva is not static in one sense. It is dynamic. Therefore, body grows because there is a presence of jiva. There is life inside it. So Dehavan here means because the jiva has accepted a uh, material body, he has to work. And because he has to work, and he is in the material world, he has to work under the three modes of material nature. Nothing can escape this three modes of material nature. So imagine this complex creation that Krishna has created. There is no way out. There is absolutely no way out. Every work, deed, object, thought is under the modes of creation. Is under the three modes of material nature. Because this whole material creation is under the three modes of material nature. So nothing can escape it in that sense. Now, that is why this material world is called as prison house. And the ropes that bind us here are called as the three modes of material nature. But here, they are using etaya adharmo pitnataha. So these, these uh, deities, the sun, the fire god, sky, air, demigods, moon, evening, night, they are observing the dharma and the adharma of the jiva. So what is the dharma of the jiva? Prabhupada many places says, Krishna says, Mamai Vamsho Jiva Loke, Jiva Bhuta Sanatana. You are all my Vamshas, my expansions. So therefore, a default dharma of the Jiva is what? Jiva Swarupa or Krishna Nityanas. We are always eternal servitors of the Lord. This is the only dharma of a Jiva. Everything else is a dharma. Bhagavan in the second verse also says, Dharma projita kaitavatra paramo nirmat saranam satham. So the second verse says, all uh, materially motivated religion has to be given up. But we will see actually in today's discussion what does it actually mean by giving up material uh, by giving up materially motivated religion or materially motivated duties. Uh, so this whole prison house is managed by the Lord through his own agents like we have Durga, we have Lord Shiva and all of the credits and the account balances are kept by the accountant and the accountant is Dhanaraj. He keeps the account of who has done how many pious activities and what are one's impious activities and 
and based on that he will be awarded or punished for it. And what's interesting is the material world also has a similar establishment. We have prisons in the material world also. I remember in my when I was working in a in a MNC, we were doing a project for a company called as Group Four. Have you heard of Group Four? Group Four Securities. It's a company called as Group Four. You must have seen when they come and load the ATMs around Melbourne. So you see that there is a G4 on their uh, shirts. So Group Four company is one of the biggest company who manages security things. And one of the services there they also do is load uh, cash in their ATMs. But their predominating business is managing prisons. It's a big, big company, and it's a private company. And in the United States, most of the prisons are privately managed. It's not managed by the by the country as by the government. It's outsourced to the private company. So as soon as you outsource it, what is what comes along with it? Cost, huge cost. It's not cheap. And I was fine. <clears throat> I was researching, and I found the U.S. spends somewhere between thirty to hundred thousand dollars per prisoner in the U.S. based on which state the prisoner is, because the amenities also change. Can you even imagine? Eighty thousand dollars they spend per prisoner per year, which is more than the per capita income of a citizen in the United States of America. So, so much they spend to maintain a prisoner. Now, of course, the condition of the prisoner has to be etc. etc. But despite so much expenditure or spending on a prisoner, when the prisoner comes out of the prison, most of the times he is more spoiled than when he went before he went in. Because these prisons are also breeding grounds for activities. Why? Because even these prisons are completely under mode of ignorance. What to talk of the other modes? So therefore, these prisons that we see in the material world are not transformative. But the prison of this material world of that Krishna has created is transformative because the whole idea of this prison also is to transform the consciousness. How the Lord transforms it, they will see action. That is why uh, they are saying, uh, therefore, all the identities in this material world are punishing. Now, that is why the, the, there are many reformatory departments in this material world. One is this material world where they are embodied, and then based on what we have to be punished or rewarded, we have Emirates decision, the court of Emirates, where he will be sending us to reformatory prisons, where we have to reform our consciousness. There is actually no escape at all. That's why Krishna says in the 13th chapter, 22nd verse, Purusha prakriti stohi, bhumte prakriti janguna, karanam gunasangosya, sadasatyomi janmashu. The living entity in the material nature thus follows the ways of life, enjoying the three modes of material nature. This is due to his association with that material nature, thus he meets with good and evil among various species. See, we have read in the third chapter also that whoever has taken a body in the material world has to suffer and he cannot say without action. Is it not? Now one may say, probably we are vegetarians, we don't kill anyone, we don't trouble anyone, we are just, you know, Vegans, vegans, vegans is a big thing. We are vegans, let's say. But if you really see, I'll give you an example. Everybody knows about Moondar Sprouts. It's a cross example. Please don't uh, feel bad about it. Moondar Sprouts is nutritious, we are like it. But now see it from a spiritual angle. 
What is Mundara Sarvachana spiritual language? Living entities. What type of living entities are there? When they sprung? Yeah, they are. They are very young living entities. Is it not? Very young, tiny living entities. What do we do with them? We boil them. And eat them. Is it not? And yet we say, is there sin involved in it? We can't escape. There is sin. Because cooking and eating vegetables also is sin. Pull out a carrot from the ground. Is it not sinful? Pull out a beetroot from the ground. It's sinful. Cut out coriander and cut it out and chop into pieces. Is there life in coriander? Probably not hearing it. Scream. But there is pain involved. So, uh, this material world, Bhagavatam says, Padam, padam, yatri, padam, nadesham. Every step there is season. This is why it is so complex creation. Nobody can escape. That is why Yamudu is saying, Therefore, all living entities in this material world are punishable. Everyone is a sinner. Everyone is a sinner. So many people try to make some makeshift arrangements. They put a cloth around their mouth so that they won't be bacteria. But you are still living bacteria. You can't have a permeable membrane which, through which bacteria cannot enter. You still have to open your thing to eat. You still have to drink water. Is it not? So, sinning by default in this material world, you can't escape. Now, that is why what has evolved, what's beautiful is the Vedic process has given a thought behind all of this. That is why. You will see different type of processes. You will see Jnana Yogis. There is a section called as Jnana Yogis. Jnana Yogis are those people who will say we will not do any karma. Because karma means sin. So therefore we will not do any karma. We will only study the scriptures, speculate, but we will abstain from any work. Therefore we will become sinless. But then the Shastri, Shastri people also, there is a basic debate. Yes sir, but to read you need to maintain yourself. You are still reading. You are still drinking water, you are still eating. So how can you be free from sins? Yeah, yeah, we agree, but we are reducing the sins, you see. Yeah, but you are still sinning, isn't it? You might not go to a longer term of a prison, but you are still going to prison anyways. So what's the point? Big thief or small thief, you are a thief. So these debates used to go on. That is why, is there a way out of this? Is there a way out of this? That is why in the in the eighth canto, the, the devatas, they, they, they would have come to Krishna and pray like this. Satvam vidhatsva khilaloka pala vayam yadathastavapadamulam samagataste bahirantamatmam kimvanya vidnapyamashesha sakshinah They come to Krishna and say, My dear Lord, what can we tell you? Because you know everything. Sometimes we pray to God, we pray to Krishna. Please do this, please do that. Doesn't he know? He knows everything. He is Asesha Shakshina. He is Ashesha Shakshina means he is a witnesser of everything. He knows what's going on in my heart, what's going on in someone else's heart, he's going on, what's going on in my boss's heart. Everything he is aware of. He is also aware of what will I do in my next in my next hour, what will I do, what will be my repercussions. He knows everything. He is uh, uh, the 15th chapter Krishna says, uh, what is that verse? Sarvasya 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 Sarv
in the previous verse they said they deviated from their prescribed regulated duties. What does this regulated duties mean? That is why it is very important to understand karma yoga correctly. Uh, Krishna gives many examples, he gives the example of Janak Maharaj and all of them, that they all achieve perfection by doing their duties properly. And yet there are bhaktas also, there are devotees also. So this samanvaya we have to bring. When we talk of yoga ladder, karma yoga, and then take, think of jnana yoga, and then ashtanga yoga, and then bhakti yoga, it doesn't mean that when we become bhakti yogis, we, we get rid of karma yoga. That's the very most important thing to understand that karma you for an embodied person getting away from karma yoga is not possible because karma means activity, action. Action has to be performed. Eating, sleeping, at least has to be performed. Walking has to be done. So there is kriya involved. When there is kriya, karma is karma is there. There is when there is action, there is reaction. So karma cannot be escaped in this material creation. So how one should do karma and what is that we have to understand? Krishna in the 18th chapter says, Sve Sve Karmani Abhirataha Samsiddhim Lavatenaraha Svakarma Nirata Siddhim Yathavindati Akshuna Sve Sve Karmani Whatever one's conditioned nature is, that one has to do. See, in the material world, we sometimes even as devotees get confused, you see. If somebody is a mother, or if somebody is a father, Sve Sve Karmani, you have to do your activity, you have to do your duty. Generally, it is human nature. When we are attracted to someone, it is generally the human nature to try to do what that person is doing. Emulate. For example, if a disciple is under the guidance of a spiritual master, it's very easy that the disciple will think, how I, how I think I should also become like a spiritual master. For example, if a, if a disciple is a brahmachari, he is seeing a grihastha spiritual master, you think, oh, my spiritual master is so comfortably leading, yet he is so advanced, he will become a spiritual master. I should also get married, you know. It's very, very natural to get like this. Or somebody is in, a, in an off office atmosphere and he sees his boss. My boss is controlling 15 people, he can earn more, I should also become my boss. Similarly, now I'll give another typical example. A wife will think a husband, my husband goes to work and he comes home happily. So I should also try to go to work and come home happily. You see, generally, whomever you get influenced with, everybody is interested to do someone else's work. Human nature. Why? Because they are not happy doing their work. They are not happy what they are, where they are. They are always looking grass and greener on the other side. Wife or husband for man, husband for wife for man. Husband is thinking, this really sits at home all the time, eating, sleeping all day, and going to work every day. My colleague has a dog. She said, she said, I'm envying my dog. I said, why? She said, every day I, I get out of my house and lock the door, my dog gets on the sofa and cuddles himself and sings. And I feel, I am going to work and this dog is comfortably sitting on a sofa. And she said, how I wish I become a dog like this. Oh, I, I said, oh my God, don't make that wish. You haven't seen dogs in India. <laughs> Not everyone has a couch. You see? So she was wishing to be the reason is, they are not happy where they are. Why? Because they do not know what their prescribed duties are. They do not know, first of all, what is their nature. How do I endow my nature in my activities and still be happy? That's why Krishna says, Sve Sve Karmani But how do you execute this karma? Yes, probably you are telling that you have to do work. But even by doing work, then there is another, another category of people, you know, 
One is contemplating that you have to do your work. Another category of people is work is worshipping. I, I think whatever I do, I am a karma yogi. I will go to work, I am a karma yogi. That's also false because he is also a sinner. It doesn't mean that just because you are, you are so enthusiastic to do your work and you are so happy, what is it called? It is laced with which mode of material nature? Mode of passion. You see people around you, I am passionate about my work. I'm, I'm very passionate person, I want to do this. Hmm? But Krishna says, Sarvaram Don't be passionate because passion also will gradually lead to ignorance. You'll fall down because what will happen if he's so passionate? What will happen? There'll be another passionate guy. The moment he sees someone else passionate, how oh, dare he's so passionate than me? Then he wants to push him back. So I'm first, you see. Competition will start. So that is why civilization and transcendence are opposite sides of the same state. You can't have a civilization and transcendence at the same time. Civilization is in competition. Transcendence is no competition. It is so hard. That is why Vaish, Mamai, Vamsho, Jeevalok. If it's one family, there is no competition. That's why transcendence is the opposite of civilization. Civilization means build a competitive society. Transcendence means build a, a compassionate society, not competitive society. So that's the, that's the thing. But then how do you draw the line between compassion and competition? So the understanding is we have to understand our sabhava and, and the crux of that is when we are doing our karma we have to see how we can purify that karma. How we can purify that karma. Krishna says by karma one can get purified. That is the person, that is the definition of karma yogi. Krishna says, nahi Not even a moment you can be, you can say, calm. You have to do some work. Even in sleep, even in deep sleep, we are breathing. So there is activity all the time. When the body, when the, when the soul exits the body, the soul continues to act. There is not a moment where the soul is dead in one sense. Soul is always alive. So therefore, karyatehi avashak karma sarva prakriti jayate. So there is no way that the jiva can escape the three modes of material nature, he has to act. But how one should act, that is the thing. Now, how can karma be taraka? How can, how can, do we, how can we do karma and that karma can take us ahead? Krishna says this in many places. One of the verses that Krishna says is, Yajna thath karma lokoyam karma bandhana. Whatever one does, one has to do it for Vishnu. Why does Krishna say this? Why does Krishna say this? Why does he say that you have to do it for Vishnu? So first thing is, as embodied living entities, we cannot be static, we have to do activity, so karma is imperative. But you have to do it for Vishnu. Why? Because any activity that you do is coming under always under the three modes of material nature. So to escape the three modes of material nature, the only way is to bring someone who is beyond the three modes of material, material nature, which is Vishnu. That is why Yajnatha Karmanam Yatra Lokoyam Karma Bandhana. Karma Bandhan means any activity you do, you do, we are bound. As I said, the example of sprout, you are eating sprouts. So the moment you pluck them and boil them, you have not even eaten them, but in the process of boiling itself, you are feeling. Cooking means feeling. Then there are raw food enthusiasts also. They say, you don't cook, they eat raw. They say, eating, isn't it? So, 
there is sin involved every minute. So therefore, when we cook, we bring in Krishna's element there. So, when we cook for Krishna, when we offer, offer for Krishna, what is happening there? Let's do a little bit analysis. What is happening there? We are still acting, we are still cooking, we are still sprouting, we are still offering, there is some, off, there is some kar, karya going on. So what is happening? Karmana Jnana Matramati. That is why Karma Yoga leads to Jnana Yoga. Why they say this is because by doing certain activities in the right consciousness, we obtain knowledge, realization. That is why Karmana Jnana Matramati. By doing certain activities, we attain realizations. So when we do it for Krishna, realizations come. Oh my God, I realize that even eating sprouts is simple. So this realization comes. So therefore, So So what we do is do then, oh my God, Krishna, I am so helpless here. I can't breathe, then I'm, if I'm breathing, I'm sinful, I'm sinful. If I'm walking, I'm sinful. So Krishna, I'm in such a, such a horrible situation. Please protect me, Krishna. So when I'm doing execution of karma, we lead to jnana. What jnana? This is not impersonalistic jnana. This is jnana about Krishna. This is, this is a jnana about my dependence on Krishna. That knowledge will come. So therefore, karmana jnana matanati. That is why one of the acharyas has said, karma ve Canada, there is a song. Karma means by doing karma only you can get liberated. What karma? Karma with laced with bhakti. Bhakti karma it is called as. So the moment I bring the aspect or element of Krishna in my activities, then that is not karma yoga. That's why Prabhupada sometimes uses karma yoga interchangeably with devotional service. Is it not? Of course, devotional service in a technical term is the nine Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu Sparanam. But these nine principles of, devo- of devotional practices can be laced with all karma yoga principles or activities. So therefore, when Krishna told Arjuna, pick up your bow and fight, Arjuna did fight. He did pick up. So he pick, picked up his bow and he fought a war. But yet it was devotional service to Krishna because he was remembering Krishna while he was doing it. He was doing it for the order of the spiritual master. So that's a very important point to understand. That uh, karma is imperative for the embodied personalities. But I tell you two contrary examples of this also. Shukla Goswami, the words that I chanted, Yam Pravrajantam Ampetam Ampetakrityam Dvaipaya Naviraha Kātara Ajuhava Putre Tanmaya Taravobhe He is asking, he is praying, and this is a prayer by glorifying Shukla Goswami, Sutta Goswami saying this prayer, that Shukadeva Goswami abandoned all his Dasha samskaras. So, when, when we say prescribe regulated duties, samskaras are very important. Samskaras is purificatory ceremonies. These purificatory ceremonies are purifying our consciousness at every stage. Shukadeva Goswami did not go through any of this, he just walked away. Huh? No threat uh, ceremony, no diary, nothing. But can we emulate Shukadeva Goswami? He walked out naked. Can we follow him or can we imitate him? We cannot imitate him. Take the other example, Jadabharata. Jadabharata was wearing a sacred thread, but he did, he did not chant his diary. He was acting like a, like a loony, a lunatic, lunatic, right? But can we imitate him? No, but the, these personalities, examples of these personalities, or Rishabh, for example, 
the examples of these personalities are given because the prescribed duties are for the embodied there are two reasons you have to do for prescribed duties so first thing is i am embodied and i have to do it why i have to do it so that that karma can become tarak form that karma through that karma i can gain realizations very important so what what is important is we have to do sreshte karma our own duties don't try to do someone else's duty do your duty your your constitutional position at this point in time i am a father i am a i am a corporate work i go to corporate work i have a family to maintain do it so perfectly while remembering krishna not having material goals we have to understand that krishna gives this philosophy very nicely कर्मण्येवाधिकारस्ते माथलेशु कदाचना इट इज योर ड्यूटी योर योर राइट इज टू डू द एक्टिविटीज बट द फला इज माइन आई विल आई नो व्हाट टू गिव यू माथलेशु कदा डोंट हैव योर डोंट से द क्लेम ऑन योर कर आई विल गिव यू कर सो दिस इज वेरी इंपॉर्टेंट टू अंडरस्टैंड दैट आई हैव टू डू माय ड्यूटी अंडरस्टैंड व्हाट माय एरिया ऑफ इन्फ्लुएंस इज एंड देन एक्सक्यूट माय ड्यूटी वेरी इंपॉर्टेंट एंड देन वंस इट इज डन फॉर द एम्बॉडी For the uh, for the unembodied, what do you mean by unembodied? These are personalities who are beyond bodily conception of life. For them, these prescribed duties do not apply. So that is why we have to understand this very importantly. Because Jada Bharata and Shudhaya Goswami, they are ever liberated souls. Even this material body, they are unaware of their existence. When we chant the mantra, Vandeham uh, Shri Guru, you see what is the name that Vidya Nanda Prabhu has given them? Our सावधूतम स अवधूतम अवधूतम मींस अवधूत शिकामन इतना तो लोगों को अवधूत शिकामन मींस अवधूत मींस दे हैव दे आर दे हैव अ मटेरियल बॉडी बट दे आर नॉट मटेरियली कॉन्शियस एट ऑल फॉर देम प्रिस्पेक्ट ब्यूटीज आर ऑफ नो यूज बिकॉज़ दे हैव ऑलरेडी ट्रांसेंडेंटली सिचुएटेड इन देयर कॉन्शियसनेस बिकॉज़ प्रिस्पेक्ट ब्यूटीज इज टू टेक अस टू दैट कॉन्शियसनेस बट इफ समबडी इज ऑलरेडी देयर इन दैट कॉन्शियसनेस फॉर हिम इट इज नॉट रिक्वायर्ड बट फॉर एवरीवन एल्स इट इज रिक्वायर्ड First, second thing is there are personalities who are who are transcendently situated but will still follow the prescribed duties. Why do they do that? To second example, because if everybody started behaving like Mirabai, you know that some some people will start emulating Mirabai. Mirabai was transcendently situated in one sense, so therefore everybody should not be emulating Mirabai. Everybody is not Mirabai. they should follow their karma their regulatory principles their prescribed duties very correctly so that gradually they can come to that transcendental consciousness <clears throat> otherwise it is not possible uh regards this there is a very interesting verse which uh, prabhupad quotes there is only one way you can transcend this material modes gnane prayasam udapasya namanta eva jeevan ऑन namanta by paying my obeisances by actually giving myself to krishna by giving my consciousness to krishna or by bringing the element of krishna in my activities so this verse prabhupada and uh, prabhupada writes in two ways this is from the 10th canto the devotees because they dedicate their mind body and uh, tanu vaan and mana tanu is body 
words and mind to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Namanta Eva. So therefore that unconquerable Lord gets conquered. Ajita Jita Ti Asi Taistrailokyam. But for the non-devotees, no matter what they do, Nyame Payasam, they might go on speculating, go on doing material advancement, they will never be able to overcome these three modes of material nature. So the only way out for us to escape this statement of the Yamadutas that all living entities within this material world are punishable. They are punishable. So to escape this is to actually bring the element of Sri Hari, bring the element of Sri Krishna in our lives. Uh, thinking of Krishna, the word Krishna itself, there are so many meanings that one can derive out of Krishna. Uh, three meanings, we can meditate on three meanings of Krishna. Krishya na, Krish again, when you talk of Sanskrit, Krish, you see, Chris, Christ also comes from Krish in one sense. Uh, Krishna, Krish means Krishi Dhatu, Krishi means, what is Krishi? Agriculture. So, agriculture is related to what? Bhumi. So, na means ananda. One who brings ananda, one who brings bliss to the land is called Krishna. That is why Bhumi Devi went and prayed to Brahmaji. Then they all go to pray. They pray to the Lord and the Lord said, I will come down as Krishna. So, one who gave ananda, one who gave bliss to this Bhumi is called Krishna. Or one who gives ananda or bliss to the Residence of this Bhumi is called Krishna. Huh? That is one modern understanding of Krishna. That is why Krishna descended here to, to show us who Krishna is. Huh? Uh, that is why Krishna tells in the fourth chapter that Janma Karma Chamedityam Evam I have come here and my activities are transcendent. If Krishna wouldn't have come here in this little world, how would we know about Krishna? How would we experience about Krishna? Where would have been there? There wouldn't have been any Vrindavan here. So Krishna, Krishna means one who comes and gives pleasure to us. One who comes and shows us what pleasure is. Because although we are pleasurable by nature, we have a problem. Our problem is our pleasure is shrouded by Ajnana. We see in the third canto, Brahmaji creates five types of ignorances to cover our knowledge. So we are covered, but Krishna never gets covered. That is one understanding of Krishna. The second understanding of Krishna means Krishi. Krishi also means one who extracts. Huh? One who extracts what? One who extracts all our dukkha. Dukkha. Samasta dukkha paya is Krishna. And he removes those shortcomings and gives na means to ananda. So he removes because he is only Krishna is nirdushta ananda. Nirdushta means he is the only personality who doesn't have the dosha of dukkha inside him. You see? Uh, there is a beautiful example. You see, uh, there is one bhajan which uh, disciple of uh, Janvi Mata writes, Dukhi Krishna, that's how you have name. Why is Dukhi Krishna? Can Krishna be Dukhi? But how is Krishna Dukhi? Why is he called as Dukhi Krishna? Why is Dukhi Krishna that's? Separation. Huh? Separation. Separation to this Dukhi. Okay, that's one way of understanding. So there's a beautiful understanding. There's another way of understanding that is who is a Sukhi? Who is a Sukhi? One who is Sukha, one who has Sukha, is it not? Can we call ourselves okay, okay. 
who is who is Ganavan? One who has money. Only he can give money to someone, is it not? One who has money, he can give money to someone. So therefore, can the Dhanavan be affected by the Dhana? No, because Dhana it is his property. So he can give it to anyone, is it not? That Dhana cannot subdue him because he is Dhanavan. He is the possessor of it. Therefore, he is Dhanavan. You getting my point? So in the same way, he is Dukhi Krishna. Dukhi means Krishna also because he can give Dukha to anyone. But he, that Dukha might not accept affect him, but he is a giver of Dukkha to everyone. So therefore he is Dukkha Krishna. Does it make sense? He has, he has Dukkha and Shukha both, but he doesn't get affected of that Dukkha and Shukha. So he creates a material nature, but he doesn't get affected by the three modes of material nature because he is the controller of the material nature. Daiviyashi, Gunamai, he says, I am the controller of the three modes. In the same way, Krishi Nirdushta, he is the one who gives, who removes the the Dukkha from us and gives us Anand. So that's the other meaning of Krishna. And we all know the other meaning is Krishna is Karsha Krishna, one who pulls it up towards transcendence. He's also called Krishna. That is why uh, there's a that is why he's called as Sadananda. Sadananda means Krishna, it is said, when he was here in this planet, never was there a time when Krishna was frowning. He was ever smiling. Even in the battlefield he was smiling. He was always smiling. That is why when uh, uh, when Arjuna was asking the questions, Krishna prahasani bhaharata. Krishna Krishna was always smiling. Vande vandyam sadanandam. He is called as sadanandam. Sadanandam. There is no no dukkha in, but we have dukkha. That is the difference between Krishna and us. That is why he is also called as hara or hari. Hara and hari are really meaning the same. Hara means one who also does haran, haran of what? Haran of Dukkha comes. So therefore, if we have to get out of this material clutches and we have to still do our prescribed regulatory duties, duties, we have to bring in the element of Krishna and within our duties. That's why, niyatam uh, puru karmatam. I'll complete this by saying this verse. Madhvacharya says there's one verse which he says, kuru bhumshva chakarma nijam niyatam hari pada vinam pratiya so one has to do their activities. Guru Bhumshwarcha Karma One has to do what their ordinary duties are, but with bhakti, with the element of Krishna in their activities. Otherwise, there is no way that we can escape these three modes of material nature. With this, I'll stop here. Are there any questions or comments?
we have our duties towards my mother, my brother, everyone, and we will never be able to uh, pay back to them. So, how can the, this is completely opposite understandings, I think. It is seemingly opposite. Uh, so, repeat your question. I have a family, I am indebted to them, but at the same time, I do bhakti. Uh, when I do bhakti, all of them get benefited. But then I still have to do my gratitude and I have to repay my parents, my kitten, devatas, and cow, and everything. I have to express gratitude to everyone. Seemingly, it is opposite because if I do bhakti, I might serve them, but I am really not serving them directly. Is this your question? How do I then bring? Are they opposite, opposites, opposite sides, the, uh, opposite sides, or are they? Is there any? Um, is there any commonality in that? Where I do bhakti and I still serve them. Is that the question? I'll give you an example. I know a devotee family where a wife is a devotee, husband is not a devotee. When the when the wife is sheltered, so she sheltered, she asked the spiritual, she actually told the spiritual master that Maharaj, I chant 32 rounds on festivals and I tried to do 64 rounds. Uh, she said that from the perspective that she wanted to glorify the husband because the husband is very supportive of it. When she said I chanted I chant 32 rounds on the festival days, she had one hour lecture from Maharaj. She said, Maharaj said, who told you to chant 32 rounds on festival days? Who told you to chant 32 rounds? I didn't ask you to chant 32 rounds. On festival days, you should be celebrating festivals with your husband and children. You should decorate your house, you should cook for Krishna, you should do kirtan in the house, read Bhagavatam in the house, engage your children in the deities, etc. etc. Now, if you take a step back, it might seem contradictory because Festival means chanting more. Chanting is devotional service. Now I have to stop that and serve my husband, family, pushing me back into the material atmosphere, karma bandhana. But this is a problem. You have to understand that what Maharaj said is far more superior than me chanting 30 crores. I'll tell you how. We are not bhajanandis. We are not bhajanandis. We are ghoshtiyanandis. Means what? We are preachers. I don't do devotional service for myself. Why only think of me when I can actually bring? If Prabhupada thought like that, he wouldn't have gone, never gone to the US. Why in the world did he have to go to the US and preach to hippies who are immersed in addiction and sense gratification? He could have happily stayed in Vrindavan, chanted 192 rounds and gone back home, gone back home, back, back. Why? Why did he go to the US? That was far superior because giving Krishna consciousness. Now you understand that instruction from Maharaj Prasipati in this example I give you. If this Mataji does not do 16 rounds apart, does festival, she is preaching to the husband, preaching to the children, engaging the family in devotions atmosphere so that they can also progress. Will she progress by doing this? Of course she will progress. Far better than doing 32 rounds because Krishna, she is more dear to Krishna because she is preaching. Does it make sense, Prabhupada? So, Repaying doesn't mean that I abandon my duties to repay my, my parents or my, my kid and kid. It doesn't mean that I will run away from my responsibilities. Because as devotees, we have far more responsibility for the society as much as we have responsibility for Krishna. Krishna himself, you can see the example. 
Krishna never day he went he abandoned his responsibilities. Krishna says, yeah, whatever I do, everyone will follow. So, uh, the best example we can uh, portray to our own Kitanjit is to become the best possible personality in that relationship. But if I am if a good son, if I demonstrate that I am the best son I can, the first thing is we should not preach to them. Never preach to your family. Because preaching means giving knowledge. They don't need the knowledge. Preaching has to be done by the bad behavior. So that is a far better preaching than giving knowledge and explaining what to do. So I was hearing an interview yesterday. So the best way to preach is to get make them inspired from whom they are inspired. So for example, if a parent is inspired by Sama, for example, Vivekananda, for example, I'm just giving a great example, of course, my mind. Inspire them to take spirituality in some form of the other. Make them inspired by your behavior. When you go home, offer them prasadam. Serve them nicely. When they service attitude, when they see your service attitude, they naturally will get attracted to Krishna. Our whole idea is to attract them to Krishna, isn't it? That's how we want to repay them. But that repaying has to be done by serving them. So that's what Prabhupada did. If you see Prabhupada went and, and served them, if he cooked for them, if he got them married, he broke his sannyasa without getting them married. Sanyasi is Niradhika, but still he caught his disciples married. Prabhupada said, I don't have to do this, I should not be doing it. Yet he did that. But that was for the betterment of the society. So in this way we can serve our family far better uh, than thinking only of me, if you know what I mean. But how and when to do it, we have to take advice from people who have done it, who are pioneers in doing it, and then apply that in our life. And that is how I feel. And this is a very common question in devotees. So we have to repay them. How we repay them? Uh, not, but at the same time, we should not abandon our 16 months. So I, I also have another example where a devotee said, Prabhuji, my parents are first Prabhuji. I will just go and eat whatever they cook, Prabhuji. Because they are our parents, nah, no, please. The devotee doesn't do that also. The devotee doesn't compromise his things. I'm not saying we should compromise our spiritual values. There has to there, there is a common ground and it has to be done with judiciously. That's why Krishna everything he does, Krishna is the most intelligent. So Krishna always has an idea. And devotees always have access to Krishna through senior devotees or through, through people who have done through devotees who have done that in their life. So by taking the wisdom from them, we can always bring a samatvaya these seemingly contradictory things. But actually there is a common ground for that. Uh, so therefore, by by personally giving seva to each one of them, we can never express that to anyone. But by bringing Krishna in their life, but how to bring Krishna is the only question. Right, that's the only question. That has to be discussed. How do I bring Krishna in their lives? But it can be brought by hope. However, we have to bring them. Either by inspiring them, either by giving them service, either by loving them, somehow we have to inspire them to be Krishna. By doing that, they will feel very open. By our own behavior, actually, by our own attitude, our own behavior towards them, by our own seva towards them. But at the end time, if, you, if they don't take Krishna consciousness, that's still fine, but at least they are associated with you because you are a devotee. So, but at least keep that relationship alive because if even that breaks, then they don't have any contact with any devotees. So, that's what a devotee always thinks. So, that's why, especially when you're doing Bhakti Riksha, you see this, and Bhakti Riksha is angry with you, you can't break the relationship with him. You have to somehow keep continuing to be friend with him so that at least he is held on to one, one arm, one hand, 
poor coffee devotee, somehow or the other. That probably answers the question totally. Thank you. Very wonderful class. Now, you mentioned upon the point we can never escape sinning. Every moment, sitting here, breathing bacteria. Now, two different schools of thought, Abrahamic schools, they agree we cannot stop sinning, we are born sinners. And in your presentation, you mentioned you know, we add the Krishna element, you know, who is pretty to become ourselves free from uh, the implications of uh, simple actions that inevitably happens. Yeah. The Abrahamic tradition approaches, yes, we cannot stop sinning, therefore delegate the whole thing to Messiah. Let him take care of it. Jesus Christ, I tell us sins. Yes. Yeah. And the three different schools, they have different uh, messiahs or different personalities. The Chagla school, different uh, perspective, they say, who is seen tomorrow? Yeah. So their approach is, look, if you're saying you're always sinning mm. and you cannot stop that, mm. so why bother with it? Mm. I'm just sitting here quietly minding my own business yeah. and something is happening. So, you know, their approach is to help with this mm. whole thing, you know. Let me just, who's seen tomorrow? Let me just go with this. So, I'd rather like to hear your thoughts on how do we approach these two different perspectives. The Abrahamics who outsource their responsibility towards sin, and the Hellenists who say, forget about that whole thing and just think like a good person. Inherently, hmm. <clears throat> you know, those are trivial ideas, both the Java and the, the Hellenists and the and people who actually misconstrue the teachings of Jesus Christ. Uh, again, acknowledging that it is wrong and somehow or the other bring the element of pure devotion in their life. It's very important. Uh, again, when you're preaching to the heavens, it's very difficult because again, if they are conducive for devotion practice, that's good. If they are not, then you can't. You may be wasting time. In the Shastric debates, they used to go to such an extent, especially for the Chalwakas, to say, okay, if you think everything is happening by nature, why are you worried if, if your wife is pregnant because of someone else? Because you are not witnessing it, anyways. Because you think everything is perfection. You are not witnessed who is, you know, made pregnant or why are you worried, anyways? Because you say everything is perfection. So this is a debate that the Shastri people goes to this level. So we have to see hedonists, uh, if they are conducive, then you have to see somehow or the other bring Krishna in their lives. Bring Krishna in their life. Uh, if, if Krishna is brought in their life, their purification is possible. If there is no element of Krishna, there is no element of God consciousness or repentance of what I have done. That repentance has to be. That is why Prayasita has to come. So they do Prayasita, but they think by doing Prayasita I can continue to sin. So that element, that sinning, the repeat, repeated sinning, Will, uh, will not be an atonement, will not be a, a panacea for repeated sin. That has to be somehow convinced to them. Uh, if these two concepts are explained to them, either by intellectual deliberation uh, or maybe bringing a little Krishna, giving a prashadam or something like that, that's the only way they can reach them. Or if there are some intelligent people who can read the books and understand what is God, what is the concept of God, 
Because even, even faith traditions around the world, the complete concept of God is not available to them. It's not available. I was reading Vijay Prabhu's blog yesterday about how a father in Russia was reading Srimad Bhagavatam's second canto from eight years and he did not have access to Shrobha's books due to the So they do not have a complete conception of God. Uh, if somehow, somehow or the other they are open to read these precious literature that Prabhupada has written, uh, just by holding Prabhupada's book, by reading Prabhupada's few verses or few pages, some purity can be cultivated in them. And gradually, by gradual progression, they can really understand. Uh, because the whole idea is to remove this proclivity of sinning. At least come to the acknowledgement that yes, I am sinning. Yes, I am a sinner, and I, I should not sin. That, that line that I should not sin, I should stop sinning. That realization has to come in them. So for that, they need to get purified. And unless they are pure, they will not come to that realization. And that purity of thought will come by execution of some aspect of devotional service, either hearing the names or coming in contact with a pure devotee, uh, giving them prasadam or something like that. So by instilling a seed of devotion in their heart, somehow or the other, I think that purity comes. And then they will start, no, I should not do this, this is not right. I've done this many times in my life, let me now not do it, let me just stop doing it. I think that is a way for me. Until one comes to that level of Because I remember I was in the book table here. Um, a person used to come, go upstairs, have a shower and walk out. One day he came to me and he said, I want a book. I want a book, I'm looking for a specific book. It's a recipe book. He didn't know the name. Uh, so I said, I had higher taste for so this, this Oh, this is the one, this is the one. And he told me, 10 years back, he was going up and down, he came down and picked up highways and he read the book walking all the way back home. He lives somewhere close by. And he says he became vegetarian since then on. Because he said he eating things wrong. Just by reading one book, one book, you see, he got terrified. And of course it was Prashadam. He had just had Prashadam and the book, it was a combination. It was a combination medicine, you see. And he's ever been vegetarian and he wanted to and he's lost the book. He wanted to buy the book for his granddaughter. And he had brought his one granddaughter with him and he said, uh, I want to buy this book for, my, for her. So he bought the book higher taste for. So I saw that the purity of thought has gone in. So becoming pure devotee is just a few, maybe a couple of, you know, moments away of taking a pure active devotion service is very much a possibility for such people. But uh, yeah, that, that's what I think of. Purity of existence has to be done. Is that make sense for you? Thank you. 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 Thank